the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Kettering on this morning, I want to invite your attention to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll begin our reading in verse 19. The word of the Lord reads as follows, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil of his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, we need you once again, that the power of your presence may manifest itself through the preaching of the gospel. Heavenly Father, bring these words to life in the hearing of those who are listening, whether here in the sanctuary, through the radio broadcast, or via live stream. God, speak into the hearts of those and let them hear you speaking directly to them, to their hearts, those that are lost, I pray that you would speak a word of life that would draw them to the place of surrendering their hearts and lives to the salvation that is available to them, free through the blood of the Lamb. Father, I pray that you would speak to those who are privy to hear this word, God, in such a way that if they've drifted in their fellowship, that they will be drawn back into fellowship with you. God, speak a word in this place that every saint may be edified and that the body of Christ may be built up in you. And Heavenly Father, I pray that your name in the process would get all the glory and all the honor and all of the praise for you, God, are worthy of it all. Now, Lord, I surrender as a vessel in your hand. Accomplish through me, God, what you desire to accomplish in this place. I yield, I yield, shall they hear and see you and not me. In thy name, I pray with thanksgiving and expectation. Amen and amen. Catherine, on this morning, I want to begin a series of messages dealing with a subject that I believe is becoming more and more pertinent to the body of Christ. There seems to be a trend or an attitude or more specifically a spirit that is sweeping our nation to 
calls the believer to either believe or to act in the attitude that it is okay to abandon the church. That is, abandoning the assembling of ourselves together as is the pattern of the text says of some. And so there, this attitude, this spirit, this trend, if you will, seems to be just kind of moving about. And as I kind of sit and watch what's happening and attune myself to the Spirit of God, I've continuously seen and see this attitude that people have about separating from one another as opposed to coming together. It is this growing sense of isolation in our culture that is driven by the selfishness of men, the need for expediency. We want everything fast, quick, fast, in a hurry. We want the convenience. We have this sense of entitlement that it should be all about me. And along with the advancements of technology, people are abandoning the idea and the concept or the sense that we even need the church. The series I want to begin preaching and dealing with is from the question, do we need the church? Because, as I said, it just seems like that people are falling away and they seem like there's no sense that they have a need of the church or a need to even come together to worship God collectively at all. Believe it or not, there is an attitude that is sweeping our nation that we too can have our independent Bible study devotional lessons. We can watch or participate or our participation in radio or TV or internet services qualifies us to be at church. Well, let me help you with that idea because this text that we're digging into today, the author says to us that we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the pattern of some. Now, let me dig a little deeper because I need you to understand when I'm talking about church what I'm talking about because I know I have some spiritual folk in the house and so I need to break some things down for my spiritual people. Church, if you will, in the context of what I'm dealing with is the ecclesia. The, the ecclesia, that is the, the gathering of those together called Christians. As they come together, that gathering is what we call church. Now, in addition to the ecclesia, I do realize that the church is also known by the collective body of believers known as the universal church. That is, every single one of us who is born again is part of the universal church. And then there are some that go even deeper to say, I am, and we are the church. But I'm not talking about the I am church, and I'm not talking about the universal church on this occasion. I'm talking about the gathering, the ecclesia, the gathering of believers together in one place for the purpose of worshiping a holy God who gave his life so that we could have a right to the tree of life. Are y'all still here with me? And so the church here on today, this Hebrew passage says to us that we shouldn't be forsaking that assembly. So I want to talk today from this text, from the subject matter, 
the inherent obligation to attend church. When I use the word inherent, what I mean is the ingrained and essential part of our character that causes us to want to attend church. In other words, there ought to be in you, every born-again child of God, there ought to be an inherent desire. There ought to be a character piece in us because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf that causes us to want to go to church. And I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, I, I ain't got to go to church. No, you ain't got to go, but you ought to want to go. Amen. There ought to be something in you as a child of the living God that causes you and provokes you to want to get to the presence of God and collectively with other believers worship the living God. It ought to be something inherent in us that drives us to the place where we want to worship God. And so I want to talk about our inherent obligation to attend church. This author here in Hebrews shares with us, I believe, some great strong proofs, if you will, some great strong evidences, some great strong insights for us that should help us in this idea of our inherent obligation to attend church. And so he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. First of all, because, let me just read this verse for you. It says, verse number 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We have an obligation to the blood of Jesus. Don't forsake coming together. Don't forsake going to church. Don't forsake attending church because we have an obligation to the blood of Jesus. Lord, help me here, Jesus. In the early part of chapter 10, the author has already, if you go all the way back, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, he already has let us know that the law could not satisfy the righteous requirement of God. In other words, in all that they did under the law, to offer and come to worship with the blood of bulls and goats, none of it could ever take away sin. It lets us know that even in the old worship that they came, when they came and they offered blood of bulls and lambs and goats and, and turtle doves and all that, none of it could ever take away sin. And, and so even then, men, when they came to worship, came to worship in fear and in shame before God because of their sin. Because they still had sin. And in fact, every year they had to keep coming back and offering blood sacrifices again and again. Every year because the blood they offered last year didn't cover them this year. And it never took away sin. It just kind of put a covering on sin. And so there still was, under the old law, if you will, a shortcoming, an inadequacy of the worship that they had. And it did not allow them to come before God with confidence and boldness. But now, verse 19 says, but now we have, brethren, we have an opportunity to boldly approach the throne of God, enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. Help me here, Lord Jesus. I'm trying to help us understand that the blood of Jesus has paid a price for us 
that no one else could pay, that no other animal could pay, no other blood could pay. And because of the blood of Jesus, we have an, an obligation, Lord Jesus. We, we have an obligation to the blood of Jesus to want to go to church. Lord, have mercy. Because if it had not been for the blood of Jesus... You never would be able to boldly come into the doors of the house of God. Can I paint a picture for you for just a moment? If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, you would be lined up in the parking lot, pulling animals behind you, waiting for the priest to slaughter them at the door. And you never could come into the house of God. You couldn't come into the presence of God. You'd just be hopeful that the blood that was offered on your behalf was good enough to allow you to have some kind of relationship with God. But now, help me, Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's cross, you and I can boldly, I mean, when you came in the house this morning, you didn't come tiptoeing, wondering whether or not you were going to get struck dead by passing under the thresholds of the door. No, you came in with your chest stuck out. You came in strutting. You came in boldly because you came to worship the living God. That's all because of the blood of Jesus. We have an obligation, y'all, to the blood because the blood did for us what nobody else could do. And, Lord Jesus, the blood opened up the way for us to get into the face of God and have no shame in our game. Lord, have mercy. Do you realize that in the Old Testament and, and before the blood of Jesus was shed, they would bring the blood of the bulls and the goats and the lambs and they would give it to the priest would slaughter him and bring the blood in and into the holy place and then they give it to the high priest and the high priest would have a, a rope tied around his waist. And bells attached to the tassels of his robe so that when he went into the Holy of Holies, if he had made a mistake, Lord have mercy, he would fall dead in the holy presence of God. Because if he hadn't done everything exactly right, the holiness of God would consume his life and he'd fall dead. And the others outside would know he was dead because they would hear him hit the floor and they would hear the bells shaking. Lord have mercy. But now look at you. You got the audacity to bust into the presence of God anytime you want to anywhere you want to driving on the beltway you busting in the presence of God sitting in the, the bathroom you're busting in the presence of God in your closet in your house you busting in the presence of God you ain't shame in your game but you come in boldly and the author here says look we now have an opportunity to boldly enter into the holiest places of God because of the blood of Jesus. It's that blood that has made the way and that blood that has sanctified us. Verse 10 says, it was his blood that sanctified us, set us apart as holy and gave us right and privilege to be able to boldly come into his presence. It is that blood that was offered on Calvary on our behalf that not only set us apart, but it made it possible for us to even enter into the presence of God. I can't even imagine as a Christian today if I could never have entered into the Shekinah presence of God. I mean, I got to give my offering to somebody else and somebody else gets the privilege of going into the presence of God for me? No, I want to go myself. Well, I owe it to the blood that I can now go myself. And since I can go myself, 
I ought to want to go myself and get into the presence of God, but not only get in the presence of God by myself, but I ought to want to get in the presence of God with other folk. Lord Jesus, I feel a sense of obligation to worship him corporately. Let me read some more for you here in chapter 10. Verse 12 says this. It says, but this man, uh, because they had offered the bulls and goats and lamb, none of that blood would satisfy. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Whew. For by one offering, he perfected forever those who are being sanctified. If you don't feel a sense, watch this. Nobody and nothing can perfect you except the blood of Jesus. Now, if his sacrifice of his blood doesn't make you want to go to worship him, something wrong with you. But I'm trying to help us to understand here, we've got an obligation to the blood of Jesus to come to church, to want to worship on a regular basis. I mean, (laughs) you think about this. What he did, he perfected by offering his blood one time and perfected us all. You look at yourself in the mirror. I know you think you don't see perfection. But when you're covered in the blood, God sees perfection. And his blood, Lord have mercy, is what perfected you. It's his, Lord, it's his blood that gives me privilege to enter into his presence. And so he goes on in verse number 20, he says, For by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. How do I get into the presence of God? Well, it was because of the torn body of Jesus that I've got privilege to get into the presence of God, to go into the presence of God. I was was sharing this morning in my imagination when I was reading this text, what we ought to sense, we ought to have a sense of, we ought ought to have an awareness of, is when we walk into The presence of God, whether you're walking into the sanctuary or you're walking into your worship experience with God, we ought to almost visualize the torn body of Jesus. In other words, we ought to see the right half of his body torn on our right side and and the left half of his body torn on our left side and we're walking through the middle of these two torn pieces of flesh and as we're walking through the two torn pieces of his flesh the only way I can get into the presence of God his blood is flowing all over me and it's pouring down on me as I walk through his torn body as a veil in the same way that the high priest had to walk through the veil to get into the holy presence of God the veil now is not a curtain But it's the body and the blood of Jesus. And because of the body and the blood of Jesus, and because, watch this, when I walk through that torn body and I'm poured on by the blood of the Lamb, when I get into the presence of God, God sees perfection. He doesn't see my flaws. He doesn't see my failures. He doesn't see my shortcomings. No, he sees me perfect before him. So watch this. So as a result of that, I feel an obligation And we ought to feel an obligation to the blood because the blood has done for you what nobody and nothing else could do. It opened up the way so that you and I could get into the presence of God without having to give our offering to somebody else. Lord, have mercy. And and let me say it like this. Can you imagine 
if you had to get into the presence of God and it was two o'clock in the morning, something going on in your life and you just got to get to God, you run to the church, knock on the door and the priest is asleep. The high priest, because he's the only one that can go in the presence of God before the blood of Jesus. And you get to the, and the high priest says, we're not taking offerings today. So you got to go back home with your issue. You go back home with your head hanging down saying, it's just a shame. I can't get to God except I go through that priest that's asleep. But because of the blood of Jesus, at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, that matter what time of day, you can boldly come into the presence of God. Make your petitions known unto God and find rest and peace for your soul. We owe it. Lord, have mercy. We've got an obligation to the blood of Jesus is what I'm trying to help us to say. Let me, let me see if I can move us along here. Not only does he say we have an obligation to the blood of Jesus, but if you pick up in verse number 21, he says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, the second thing he says here is we have an obligation to, uh, inherent obligation to attend church, to go to church regularly uh, because we have an obligation to the blood of Jesus, but also we have an obligation to the high priesthood of Jesus. As much as I can help you understand something, the, the Old Testament guy, this high priest, he was the one that went into the holies of holies once a year on behalf of the people. He was the one that was the, was the provider of taking the sins of, of the people to God. He was the one that, only one that could go in and get in, in the presence of God. And so, but, but now we have a problem with people going to church. And some of the reasons why people say, I ain't going to church no more is because I'm concerned that the pastor down there ain't right. Amen, Jesus and the walls. I'm worried about the leadership of the church, but the text says, help me, Lord, we have a high priest. Lord, have mercy. Over the house of God. It ain't the pastor. Pastor ain't the high priest. No, we have a high priest that's over the house of God. You ain't got to worry about whether or not he's right or not. He's right because he gave his life for you. Lord, have mercy. He shed his blood for you. He's right. We ain't got to worry about him. Lord, have mercy. Help me, um, Jesus. We don't have to worry about whether he's doing the right thing. Oh, yeah, he's doing the right thing because he's the high priest that's handling the business of the church. And I know people say, well, Pastor, uh, I ain't going down there because deacons ain't right. And I don't like the idea that they be out front of the church smoking. And I've seen them at the liquor store and they just a bunch of hypocrites. They ain't the high priest. Over the church of God. God says, I'm the high priest. Jesus is the high priest. Lord Jesus. And this ought to be an encouragement to somebody. We have a high priest over the house of God whose name ain't Sterling. Lord have mercy. I know people say, well, you you the pastor, you the shepherd of the sheep. No, I'm the under-shepherd of the sheep. I've got, watch this, I've got a shepherd over me. Because at the same time, while I'm trying to shepherd you, I'm a sheep myself. Lord, have mercy. So, so what I do 
I've got to be, I'm being held accountable to the one who's over top of the whole church of God. I've got a high priest. His name is Jesus. If I don't act right, he's going to take care of me. If the deacon don't act right, he'll take care of him. If the choir member don't act right, we got a high priest over the whole house of God. And, and everybody going to be accountable to him. And so just in case you was staying away from church because you got issues with the people in the church. We got a high priest over our church. His name is Jesus. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.